It's time for Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show. It's your chance to be heard, air your grievances, and take your shot. Only on Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show. Morning to you all. It's 10 minutes after 9 a.m. I am Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in today. It's uh, sunny, beautiful, bright day. It's not too hot yet. In fact, we're only going to reach mid-90s, which uh, I guess if you live in Cedar or Salt Lake, say mid-90s, that's not like it is hot, but not 105 hot. So we're grateful for that, that the weather is going to be uh, not too bad out there, especially if you can find yourself wet, like in a swimming pool or water fight or something like that later on today. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to talk about today. Obviously, it is uh, Open Line Friday, so we'll take your phone calls and get your thoughts on uh, whatever it is that uh, is on your mind. We've had a lively week this week. We've talked a lot about, uh, well, the, the gay pride flags in uh, St. George. We talked about uh, the recycling program and its uh, failures and, and uh, what's going to happen with that. We talked about the hazing incident at uh, Desert Hills High School. Uh, we've uh, kind of gotten a little more uh, on, on both sides of the story here, but it's still one of those things that just kind of boggles boggles the mind and uh, some people called in were pretty fired up about the uh, st george airport and who who dropped the ball on them why it needed to be repaved after just uh, 10 or 11 years uh and uh, if you want to talk about any of that stuff you're welcome to call in the topic i wanted to start with though is one that's a serious and one that's uh, touched i think it touches almost everyone's lives uh it's it's certainly touched mine i've had some experience in my life with this topic and uh, with with relatives of mine and people that were close to me, and so I just want to spend a couple of minutes on it this morning before we get uh, before we get rolling. And uh, I, I'm going to ask for your help at six seven three five eight ninety. Your help and and maybe uh, maybe your thoughts on this, or maybe if you have some ideas for me. But uh, let me start off by just reading a little little piece that uh, me and Glenn Millette put together. This is called uh, uh, "What Do We Do About Suicide?" It is National Suicide Prevention Month. This is the last day of a National Suicide Prevention Week. Uh, they're coming out with a new uh, suicide prevention hotline phone number that's going to be like, kind of like a 911 number. Uh, and, uh, and so obviously it is something that is uh, a blip on the national radar at this point as uh, we lose way too many people to suicide. Billionaire financier Jeffrey Epstein, a convicted sex offender, recently hanged himself in prison. With a lifetime of prison ahead of him, he chose suicide over going through another trial, more accusations, and a life behind bars. Comedian Robin Williams killed himself, and we were all shocked. Williams had been dealing with depression for many years, and his mental illness finally overcame him. Millions were stunned when television personality Anthony Bourdain was found dead after reportedly hanging himself in France. To many of us, it seemed he had the perfect life. He traveled, he ate the best food, he was rich, he was famous. Suicide happens to people at every level. Pastor Jared Wilson, a California church leader, author, and mental health advocate, died by suicide. At the age of 30, he had a great ministry, was well-loved, and had a precious family. All of his knowledge and personal tools of the Christian faith did not help him to overcome his depression and mental state. Mm. In 2017, uh, there were 47,173 recorded suicides. That's up uh, just in three years. That was more than 3,000 more than 2014. We'll have a new study coming out shortly on that suicide rate. But it's increased 24% between 1999 and 2014. And then uh, another bump up of uh, 28% uh, over the next three years after that. Uh, to the point where we're at 13 suicides per 100,000 people. 
And do the math on that. Okay, so that's only, you know, that, that's not that big a number, 13 out of 100,000, but that's enough that they rack up, and it's, and, and it's huge. For most, suicide is the hope of escaping what seems to be impossible. There are many reasons why some people kill themselves. Sometimes they think it's their way of having the final word in a failed relationship. Sometimes it's their way of saying, I told you that things were bad in my life. However, almost always suicide results from mental illness. Some people think and talk about it for a long time and finally go through with it. For some people, they commit suicide at a dark moment in their lives when it appears the only way out is death. So what's the answer? I don't know, folks. I don't know what the answer is. I know people need to stay connected to a few real meaningful relationships in life. I know there's too much cruelty out in the world. Suicide victims often feel alone. People need to feel that they can safely be real without harsh condemnation for everything they do. This is why some churches and ministers often fail in relationship building. Phony surface friendships aren't the answer. Uh, next, help such counseling, uh, counseling and reasonable medication are often crucial. Talking to someone who's been trained and is able to help you is important. Hope is imperative. My daughters are both members of the Hope Squad in their high school. It's hard to imagine that media personalities such as Robin Williams and Anthony Bourdain felt hopeless, but to them, it was on another scale. One person's mental state of hopelessness is not the same for another. This is why people need help in ciphering through the fog of their minds to make sense of their mess and to see a light at the end of the tunnel of their desperation. Prayer, meditation, spiritual direction, counseling, medication, group support, work, activity, hobbies, going to school, and plans are all tools in the fight against mental illness and suicide. Be attentive to the people in your life. Give love, understanding, hope, and be helpful. Care enough to talk, listen, and be a friend. I had in my life some personal experiences with suicide. My brother took his own life. It's been more than 20 years since that point, and, and suicide has become, unfortunately, all, altogether too, too common, much more common since then. But I can tell you that uh, in time, here's the situation with my brother. I don't want to go into too, too much detail, but basically uh, his wife chose, uh, chose to end their marriage, basically. And uh, my brother at the time saw his marriage end. His health was failing. And his business was not doing well. He was out of hope. And, uh, you know, he, he had enough hope. He had enough love of life to, to not want to do it. In fact, he called a mental health facility. They took him in. Uh, he then was brought, to, at the time, I think it was 38 years old, I want to say. Uh, they brought him in. Uh, and, and then they released him to family. Everything seemed to be okay. But the, the whole limbo, with his, the whole relationship with his wife was in limbo. And... Um, when he finally was able to talk to her again via the telephone, she basically told him, no, it's over, over. And that's when he decided that, uh, that he had to, I, like I said, I don't know what the, the, was going through his mind, what the decision-making process was, but he ended his own life at that point. Uh, it was a, a, a weird moment in, uh, I think, everyone in my family's life. It, it, was, it was a moment that, uh, first of all, when, when you live, I felt like I lived a pretty I'm not going to say charmed, but a pretty normal and pretty good life. We didn't have tragedies in my family. We didn't have, you know, there were no murders. There were, there were no suicides. There was, there was no major sickness. Our family, we had it pretty good. You know, at the time I was, uh, I was in my thirties, I think, uh, yeah, right around 30. And, uh, 
we had not experienced this and we really felt like, and I'm speaking for myself, I can't speak for my parents or my, my siblings, but I felt like suicide was off the table in our family. It, it had, no one had ever even slightly considered something like that. We were taught the value of life. We were taught the value of potential. And I thought it couldn't happen. And then it happened. And it, it was, it was a shock. It was, uh, it was one of those things we didn't see it coming. And it was one of those things that not, it couldn't happen to us. It couldn't happen in our family. There's no way it doesn't make any sense. And, and when it happened, uh, I think most of us were thrown for a loop. I know me personally, I was in school to do one thing. I had gone back to school. I had something in mind I was going to do. And when that happened, I, I didn't want to do that anymore. You know, I, I was I was basically chasing the dollar, chasing education, chasing a way to make more money, to, to get, you know, financially better off in my life. And when that happened, I, I, I sat back and I said, you know what, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to work more. I don't want to go to school during my spare time. I've got little kids at home. It's It's just not worth it. And so uh, I think, you know, I would love to have my brother back right now. I really would. Uh, but a lot of good things came out of a bad, bad experience. And one of them for me personally was I learned to value my family and my friends and my loved ones more. Um, and it's sad that it took something like that happening for me to do that. And I think, I, mean, I guess one of my points of the show today, I'm trying to, 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 of course, understand what happens, but also I'm trying to, to maybe exhort you and, and myself to value relationships more. I have three grown children. I value their relationships, but they're not as good as they could be. I have two children, uh, two teenagers at home, and at times the relationship can be strained, as you can imagine with a teenager in the house and all the things that go along with that. There are times when the relationship isn't perfect, but... Uh, I think, you know, this kind of show, this kind of topic is needed to help help us remind us all that we've got to got to be kinder. We've got to be nicer. We've got to be more loving, especially to those that are in our circle, our, our sphere here. Let's go to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy on Open Line Friday. What's on your mind? Thanks, Andy. I'm sorry for your loss there. That's, t- that's tough to hear. I appreciate that. Um, that is a very uh, good open opening uh, with what we got going on in the community with these cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Um, their whole world's crushed, some of those victims. Yeah. And at that age, that's their world, and that's, you know, I hope none of them are contemplating that. But they're seeing their world turned upside down because the father that had his daughter kicked off for a honor code violation chose to throw these girls in harm's way by putting out those nude photos and it's that's pretty devastating and um i you know the legal's going to take care of why did this grown man have pictures of uh, nude cheerleaders on his phone why how did he acquire those uh, you know at what point did the school district know about it and did right. they is the school district got some culpability that they knew that these girls were in harm's way and didn't do anything about it. Legal's going to take care of all that. Um, and it, I have full confidence that they'll get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, 
all of that is a symptom of a bigger problem. Whether it's the graffiti in, in Hurricane High School, the right. bombing in Pineview High School, the shooting in Snow Canyon High School, or, or potential shooting, I should say, that may clarify that. Right, the threat. Yeah. Uh, the threat. Um, the hazing incident in, in uh, Desert Hills. Um, it, it's all a symptom of a bigger problem, and I would propose that those are all just red herrings swimming by, and we're losing sight of, of uh, the bigger picture. And the bigger picture, and you talk a lot, a lot about it on this show, is growth. And it's issues we're dealing with as the school district, as the community grows. And are we getting ahead of it? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is, well, we jump to the, to the ceiling and say, well, we just need to put a cap on housing. We need to put a cap on water use. We need it, whatever. But we know that in an economic environment, you put ceilings and it collapses. Right. We're going to grow. There's just no getting around it. Nothing you can do about it. I agree. And we're right. We live right next to Vegas. We've seen Vegas prostitution work our work its way in. We could easily become a suburb of Las Vegas, mm. and uh, it's a scary thought because yes, we love our yeah. we love our small town feel. We love that, but to solve the big problem, we got to dive back into the little problems. And I'll, and I'll go to this cheerleading thing we're, we're talking about. Uh, Terry brought up that next year the state of Utah is going to. Uh, have that as a sport, potentially. Right. So how do we get ahead of that curve? Well, have we put a deve- put a development team on our school board that says, okay, we want to get ahead of this. We need to know what the cheerleading thing looks like. Somebody reach out to the state of Utah. What are you guys developing? What does this look like? Okay, let's get on it. This year, if it's coming out next year, this year we implement, okay, our cheerleaders, and our athletes need to have a 3.5 or whatever the criteria may be. They need to have these kind of qualifications. They need to have 120 hours in social service or, or whatever the qualifications may be so that when the state shows up, we say, yeah, we've checked all those boxes. We're ahead of the curve. Matter of fact, our, quali- our standards are a little bit higher than yours, but thanks for showing up, State of Utah, <laughs> a little bit later. Yeah, and get ahead of all of that because we're struggling to get with it. We, the Crimson uh, High School opened up, the infrastructure wasn't ready. They had seven crashes the first day at the at the high school intersection because the oh. streets weren't ready to handle the traffic. Fortunately, it's a low speed area, so none of them were fatalities. But we're putting our kids in harm's way that way. Um, the high the the football field wasn't ready. Easy fix. Anybody that understands contract law, liquidated damages. You're supposed to have that field ready in spring. It's not. We're assessing you liquidated damages as per written in our contract. The taxpayer gets the high school paid by the contractor because they didn't come in on time. I was a CFO for a construction company, and when we did work for UDOT, you don't miss the deadline because, mm. like, we're there rebuilding that Hurricane Road. If you miss that deadline when you you signed it, liquidated damages come back into effect, and you have to rent that freeway back from UDOT, and one day you can lose your profit. One day you can be out of business if you're off target. And so there's – I know that was a little bit of a twist on the topic, but yeah. um, I really appreciate your, your show and what you're doing there. There's 
things that we've got to get ahead of, and uh, I think I'll just leave it at that. Okay, very good. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. In- interesting uh, uh, take on that. The growth is part of the problem. I, uh, the, what he said, it rings true as far as that the, the growth is inevitable. And, uh, you know, I've had people call on the show and say, no, it's not. Yeah, growth is inevitable. We live in a great place. If this was a lousy place to live, like Detroit or Baltimore, then, then you'd be losing people. No, this is, this is a great place to live, and, uh, and the growth is going to come. And, you know, the genie's out of the bottle, so to speak. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. So we've got to, I, I think, get ahead of it. I'm not, not entirely connected with what he said but with, with growth uh, pertaining to suicide. But uh, anyway, interesting take. Yeah, let's go back to the phone line. Caller, you're on with Andy. Uh, is this Seth? Well, let me check my driver's license <laughs> and my uh, concealed carry card to make sure that it's me. Uh, but we'll just assume that for the moment. And I just want to mention you've distracted me today. I had done a oh half a day of show prep on vaping, and it looks like I'll not be able to discuss that today. So let me just say, as a veteran, 22 veterans a day are... Committing suicide. You're right. You're right. Okay? And so as a veteran, I've tried to give back, and I spent two years on the suicide hotline up in Provo. I went through the training and and the like and was proud to do that and happy to do that. And I think maybe uh, the conversations I was able to have with people who were contemplating it may have saved some lives that particular night. So um, I feel like it's really important. And for the, let me just address the veterans. There's a place in St. George that's not part of the VA, and it's called the Vet Center. And it's out on, uh, I think it's in Dixie Commons. I think it's out on, I know it's out off of uh, Dixie Drive, fairly south. And uh, people who have PSTD or MST, that's military sexual trauma, are qualified to go in there, and there's an entire staff of uh, social workers and and psychologists who can, and group meetings of other veterans and the like that a person can attend, and believe me, they will take care of you. And that the VA here in St. George, the CBOC, the uh, place out behind the mall, has social workers and psychiatrists and psychologists on staff. There are many, many uh, telephone numbers and contacts that that a person can make, either in the military or in civilian life, that uh, are ready, willing, and able to assist a person who's having thoughts of doing something like that. Seth, let me ask you, when working with the suicide hotline, what uh, I know you can't really categorize them all under one lump, but what, what was the overriding uh, feeling, thought? Was it depression? What, what, what in your mind was the root cause of most of these, uh, most of these feelings? Well, you're probably not going to like this answer, but the, the severity and numbers and frequency were during the dark periods of the year. Let's go from November through June, depending upon the year, where people are claustrophobic, they're stuck in their house, they're looking at their computer, they're lonely, they're bored, they're depressed, they're not outside, they're not uh, 
uh, uh, it's almost universal. Vitamin D is uh, absent or very low, and this leads to a feeling of depression and, and drugs and drinking and all kinds of other things that are associated with it. And there is, you can go to, I think, Walmart or online and buy light bulbs that you can put around your uh, uh, place or where you're sitting and the like and absorb frequencies that will trigger um, the vitamin D response. Yeah. So for 25 bucks, you can overcome something called seasonal affective disorder. SAD is what they call it. Yeah, and you know what? I, I absolutely agree with you. When you're talking about this time of year, we, the sun is out for 14 to 16 hours. No, we're in, down in to 12. Well, d- down to 12 now. But in the wintertime, we're talking about, what, nine hours of sunlight? Eight, eight nine hours instead of, uh, instead and of 12? And it's cold, and it's windy, and it's yeah. snowing, and the wind is blowing. And it's really not conducive to getting out and exposing yourself. But all Costco and all the other stores are selling vitamin D. Mm. And, and typically, you really don't know that you're deficient other than the fact that you don't feel good. You, you don't have that spark. Yeah. Well, I would suggest it's going to cost you some bucks, maybe, and maybe your insurance will pay for it, and maybe the VA will give you a blood test to find out where it is, and it's supposed to be somewhere between 30 and 100, and if your vitamin D level is below that, I would suggest that you do everything in your power to change that situation and avoid these feelings of loneliness and depression and uh, woe is me and I turn on the TV and if it uh, and the radio and if it bleeds it leads and ninety uh, I think they've had a team of psychologists follow the average person around uh, twenty four hours a day at least when they're awake. And they, these independent psychologists, said 80% of what happens to you during the day is negative. Mm. Okay? And so that's going to build up if you're immune compromised, if you're not vitamin C, vitamin D, and vitamin E. We need to know these levels. So if we're missing or, or lower in them, we need to take some action uh, to do something about it. But our medical doctors don't think that way. So you got to you got to protect yourself. You got to be in charge of your your own life and your own body. We got to get a weather break in. Let's do this. Let's take one more phone call. This guy's been on hold for quite a while, so we're going to take your call. Caller, you're on with Annie. Thanks for hanging on so long. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Um, I, I, I called in about suicide, but just very quickly, uh, what uh, Seth was saying. Um, I lived in upstate New York, very cloudy, and I, I never realized it, but I did suffer from sad, and yeah. I was always depressed and so on. And when I was 30 years old, my job took me to San Diego. And mm. instead of all the clouds and everything else, I saw sunshine, I saw light buildings, everything was bright and cheery. And I swear to God, it just I, I just assumed that was my personality, but I moved to Southern California. It changed me. I mean, all the sunshine and the brightness and everything else. So and there is a lot to that. And, you know, also... I've been taking 5,000 units of vitamin D for years, and I've been retired now, retired now since 2006. And I'm not joking. I don't think I've been depressed a day of my, uh, since I retired. Maybe that had something to do with it. But, uh, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, I think there is something to that vitamin D. But mainly on this suicide, yeah. um, 
very quickly. I had a cousin, same situation like your brother, where he was going through a divorce. He was my second cousin. This was about 35 years ago. And uh, he was a great guy, really was. He was a hard-working guy, working extra jobs to, to, to make the uh, support payments. And then his uh, ex-wife was taking him to court for more. And he ended up going to his sister's house, his favorite sister, the one that cared for him the most, lived out in the country. And, you know, the mind of a suicide person, you know, it's just hard to diagnose. But he ended up going in her backyard and killing himself with a gun. And she comes home and finds him there. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is that they say suicide is a very selfish act because you're thinking about yourself, but you're not thinking about how it affects everyone else around you. I mean, Pitt is saying his sister. Um, I mean, she's, she's going on with her life, but it's, it's messed her up and, uh, all, you know, the family and everyone else. So you're affecting a lot more people than just yourself when you do something like this. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring that up, how a lot of people, they talk about that person and the problem he's having, which is really sad. They try to help this person, but they never talk about how it affects everyone else. And, uh, um, that's, you know, just something I wanted to bring up in that subject of suicide. And I am sorry about your brother. That's, uh. That's a tough situation to go through. Yeah, thank you. I, right. I appreciate the phone call. Good to talk to you today. Um, um, you know, I, I and I didn't I didn't tell you this, tell anybody the story to, to, to you know to uh, try to gain sympathy from anyone. But uh, I really appreciate all the kind thoughts and everything. And you know, suicide is an interesting thing. I you know to, to address what he was saying, it is very selfish. But uh, they don't look at it that way. And and and. and you know, they look at it as being selfless. Well, I, if I'll, I'm a problem to everyone, so if I die, they won't have that problem anymore. I've seen that time and time again. And the other thing, after my brother killed himself and he did it with a gun, uh, I, I made the statement, and I stand by this. That was both the, the most courageous and most cowardly act that uh, that a man could commit is to is to kill himself. It's courageous because it takes a lot of guts to fulfill what in your mind you think is the best way out. But it is also very, very cowardly because you're basically saying, I don't want to deal with my problems anymore. Let's take a break. We've got to check in with the weather. Uh, When we come back, I want to talk about some of the warning signs of suicide. Someone you know has some of these things going on. Uh, It might help you recognize it and maybe be there for them. Maybe figure out a way to save a life. Morning, everybody. Thank you again for listening today. This is News Radio 94.9, 890 KDXU and the Andy Griffin Show. I am Andy Griffin. Uh, quick reminder, the St. George Fall Home Expo is happening right now at the Dixie Center. Actually, actually opens up in 20 minutes. It is absolutely free. Don't miss out on meeting with home professionals who are more than willing to help tackle your fall home projects is the st george home expo at the dixie center absolutely free head on over there i'm going to head over there in about an hour a little little over an hour from now we'll do some live reports from the home expo and uh, hopefully get to meet some of you good folks out there at the st george fall home expo at the dixie center it's uh, all day today i think it goes till what 6 p.m or something like that tonight and then 10 to 5 tomorrow at the at the dixie center so uh, it's gonna be fun Look forward to seeing you there. Uh, let's see what else today. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about. We're talking a little bit about suicide. And like I said, I've had it. Uh, sadly, I've had an experience in my life. Actually, a couple 
one of them close, my brother, another one was uh, uh, my sister's brother-in-law, is a long story, but basically uh, my sister also had, and she went through it twice in her life, uh, very, very distressing. Uh, if you want to call and talk about the topic today or whatever else is on your mind, 673-5890 is the phone number. Let's talk about some warning signs now. Here are a few warning signs that someone you know and love may be thinking about suicide. First of all, things that they say. Your friend or loved one might say something like, I wish I wasn't here, or nothing matters, or who cares, when it, uh, you know, generally just talking about life, who cares. Here's some other warning signs of suicide. Increased alcohol and drug use, aggressive behavior, withdrawal from friends, family, and community, Dramatic mood swings and uh, impulsive or reckless behavior. You know, there's that old saying: "He uh, has is no, no one is more dangerous than he who has nothing to lose." If they're thinking they're going to die the next morning or that night, they might do things that are completely out of character for them. Uh, more than anything else, suicidal behavior is a psychiatric emergency. If you or a loved one starts to take any of those steps, seek immediate help uh, from a health care provider. If it's an urgent moment, if you feel like the, uh, it is imminent, call 911. Uh, some of the behaviors that people uh, com- contemplating suicide might engage in, collecting and saving pills or maybe buying a weapon, Giving away possessions, maybe something that's very precious to them, some kind of personal memento. Say, hey, you want this? Hey, I don't want this anymore. You guys can have it. Uh, tying up loose ends, like organizing personal papers or paying off debts. Saying goodbye to friends and family, just to, you know, maybe say, hey, see you later. No, not like that. Like, hey, I really appreciate you. See, uh, goodbye. That's the kind of stuff you have to take seriously. All right, some of the risk factors involved with suicide. First of all, family history. Do you know that uh, I think it's three times more likely, uh, a person three times more likely to commit suicide if uh, their parent, one of their parents has done it? Uh, Substance abuse. Drugs can create mental highs and lows that worsen suicidal thoughts. Intoxication or alcohol abuse, definitely one of those big ones that uh, contribute to suicide. A uh, series of a uh, serious or chronic medical illness. You know, in that case, you know, someone's going to die anyway. I'll just end it now. I'll just make it happen sooner. Access to firearms. Now, I want to address this one for just a second. Uh, I believe in the Second Second Amendment. I believe we have the right to bear arms. I also believe that you need to be careful in bearing your arms. You need to lock your guns up, especially if there are teenagers in your home. You need to make sure that uh, that they are educated on how to use a gun properly, not so that they'll kill themselves, but so they understand how dangerous a gun really is. Hiding your gun simply isn't enough. You know, people, oh, I, I hid my gun. They'll never find it. Well, guess what? My brother, when he killed himself... He, my, my dad had one firearm on the property, and it was built inside of a wall in a closet. My brother knew where it was. He went in the garage as he was contemplating suicide. He went in the garage, got a crowbar, tore the wall apart, literally took sheetrock out of the wall, off the wall so he could get at that gun. 
and then he loaded it, and then he did the deed. Just hiding your gun is not the answer. Just, just not the answer. Um, and then uh, other, other things that contribute to suicidal thoughts, uh, gender. Men are more likely to, four times more likely to kill themselves than women. It's interesting. This is a weird fact, but a true fact. Men, women are actually more likely to attempt suicide by, by a large percentage, but men are more likely to actually commit suicide. Do you know what I mean? Do you know the difference? Do you know what I'm saying? Women will do it, but they'll do it by taking pills, by by you know doing things that don't necessarily actually do the deed. And that I don't know, I don't know that speaks to the nature of our genders that men are more aggressive and more uh, macho. Uh, but when a man decides to commit suicide, he's very likely to actually do it. Whereas a woman might do it, but maybe not. You know, maybe you know t- taking ten sleeping pills is not going to kill you might throw you in the hospital, but it's not going to kill you. Men are more likely, four times more likely, to die by suicide than women, even though more women actually attempt it. Uh, Other contributing factors uh, to a suicidal person, a history of trauma or abuse. There are people that have been abused in in this world, whether by parents or uncles or or strangers or whatever. After that happens, it, it permanently scars a person and... Counseling is needed. Help is needed uh, because that is a contributing factor factor to suicide. Prolonged stress will do it. I think of uh, you know the, super, the uh, stock market crash and how many people jumped out of buildings after the stock market crash. Uh, and then a recent tragedy or loss. And I think that when it comes to senior citizens, I think that, uh, and I don't know this, I don't have the statistics to back this up, but I think uh, once you've lost a spouse and you're later on in your life, your kind of thought would go, immediately go to, well, I might as well just join them, right? Right? Isn't that kind of the feeling? The, the tremendous amount of loss, especially when you've been with someone for 50 or 60 or 70 years. I can tell you this, I've been married for 31 years. I can't imagine life without my beautiful wife. I just can't even imagine it, and I hope I don't have to deal with it. One of the things that when I go to a financial counselor, he always says to me, and it kind of bugs me, I hate it, but it's true. He says, one of you is going to be alive without the other one. The, the odds are there's you know, like 99% chance that you're not going to die at the same time or even the same, even the same year. Uh, one of you is going to live without the other. I don't even like thinking about that. Mm. 948 on News Radio 949 890 KDXU. We've talked about some of the risks. We've talked about uh, maybe what we can do about suicide. It is Suicide Awareness Month, Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Uh, and uh, when we come back, let's talk about some of the things that you and I can do to help someone that may be contemplating suicide. First of all, I do want to talk about Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a local loan consultant focusing on customer service. He's been here in southern Utah for more than 25 years helping people get their dream homes. Uh, you go online and look at, read the reviews on Joe Shoney, 4.91 out of 5 stars. Incredible reviews, including Corey from Washington, Utah. He says, Joe and his team were phenomenal to work with from the initial application to the prompt and honest communication during the process to the final closing with low, no last-minute surprises. The transaction 
exceeded our expectations. Five out of five stars from Corey. This is Jody in Mammoth Creek. said, thank you, Joe, for working so hard on our loan. This cabin meant a lot to us. That's why we kept fighting for this. Once again, thank you for making our little piece of heaven. How to get a hold of Joe? Well, the phone number is 435-590-6300, or you can email Joe, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. That's Shoney with a C, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. Back with more Andy Griffin Show. We'll talk about some of the things you can do to help prevent suicide when we come back. Morning once again. If you want to call into the show, it's 673-5890. We're talking about Suicide Prevention Month and uh, some of the things that uh, we can do to help prevent a tragedy from happening happening in your life. Uh, let's go to the phone lines, and then we'll get to our last segment about how to help out. Uh, yeah, caller, you're on with Andy. How are you today? Hi, Andy. I'm well. Um, there's so many aspects to this particular topic. Yeah. And so many people are involved, but I'd like to focus on one segment of of this group and um, the uh, the ad that just ran uh, during the break uh, mentioned that suicide is the tenth um, greatest cause of of death. Yeah. Um, the problem is with those uh, young people around us, uh, ten to twenty four. It's the second. That's right. Uh, cause of death. That's right. And so you have to ask yourself, why is that? You know, young people would have everything to look forward to. You, they, you know, I mean, being a 10-year-old in America, when I was a kid, there was no better, no better thing to do, no better place to be. And yeah. I think a lot of what's going on has to do, number one, um, unfortunately, most young people, 10, even beginning at 10 years old, have these handheld computers that they have access to every good thing and every evil thing in the world. They, uh, uh, you know, depending on where, what sources, and I, the one I believe uh, is accurate, it talks about 10, 12-year-olds are accessing pornography. They go to some of these, uh, you know, sites that are just full of darkness. And we send them to school, and the schools teach them that the world's going to end in 10 years because we're fouling the air, we're destor- destroying Mother Earth. We're filling all, of our, all this stuff we're putting into our kids' heads. It's nothing but nonsense and darkness. And so specifically, one thing we can do, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things we can do is, number one, take away that handheld computer. There is no 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old that needs to have access to the Internet. It's, it's a dark place for most kids. They're kids. They have no idea what's good and what's bad. They just know what's, what's new and exciting and different and, and maybe even taboo. They go there because they know they're not supposed to. And so if we've got 10 to 24-year-olds, the, the second reason, the main reason why they die is suicide. We're doing something horribly, horribly wrong. And, you know, I, I think that the, the fact that we, uh, this transgenderism is a part of it, instead of, of getting children help that have gender dysphoria, we encourage it, we, we promote it, we, you know, we do all of these, even having surgery for these young kids, it's, it's a sickness. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're not addressing everything you talked about, I think, uh, relates back to one thing, mental health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we don't get a handle on this, um, it, it's just going to continue because most young people, it seems that they have, uh, they don't have, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't have much joy in their life. They don't have much happiness. They, you know, when they're constantly being bombarded with all of the nonsense of the world, 
So take away the, the hand. You want a, your kid to have a telephone? Get them a telephone. Give them a flip phone. But don't give them a device where they can go to the most dark places on the planet. I don't understand why parents do that. And let me add to that, uh, and I'm guilty myself at times, uh, parents are looking at the devices. Uh, yes. You know, if my kid comes to me and wants to talk about their day at school and I can't take the time to look up from my iPad or my phone, uh, I, that, that's every bit as bad, I think, as, as what you're talking about where, where they're going because they're, they're basically getting the message, hey, mom and dad don't care about me as much as they care about whatever it is they're looking at or whatever game they're playing or, or whatever. So, yeah, I, I like to throw that in there with it too. Well, well, it's a great point, Andy, and what it does is it reflects back on on just, you know, the family and so forth. See, these parents are as addicted to these handheld computers as their kids. And so because you're addicted to it, not you particularly, but just us in general, if if your addiction, you're, you're constantly feeding your addiction, you're not really aware that your kids are following the same path you are. The only difference is they're young. They, they don't have the maturity and the right. wisdom that an adult would have. And so it would be like handing a kid a loaded gun and just saying, here, Johnny, be careful. Yeah, 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 good point. It, it, it really is something that you, you asked specifically what we could do. Take away the handheld computer from your children. If you want to give them a phone, great. Give them a telephone because I hear that's the excuse all the time. Oh, yeah. well, I, I need, my kid needs to be able to get in touch with me. All right, great. Give them a flip phone that can't access the Internet, and life will begin to improve, I think, uh, uh, almost immediately because now the kid is bored stiff. The telephone doesn't really, uh, doesn't really uh, strike that, uh, that uh, uh, need that they want. And so guess what they're going to do? They're going to run outside and figure out a way to have some fun like we did when we were kids. Yeah, good call. I appreciate it today. Excellent, excellent point. Uh, and one of the points I was actually going to bring up on this show, and I'm glad he did, is uh, we're, we're doing our children and our grandchildren disservices by letting them live inside that little uh, phone, that, that computer, that, that device. And, uh, you know, the, as we talk about some of the things that we can do, we're down to just about a minute and a half. Uh, let, me, let me go over some of these things as we uh, contemplate how we, can, how we can solve the problem or at least aid in solving the problem that is suicide. Uh, here's a couple of ways uh, beyond it, beyond taking the phone away or taking the computer away and changing it into a phone. Talk openly and honestly. Don't be afraid to ask questions like, uh, do you have a plan or would you would you kill yourself? Is that something you've ever thought about? I remember when I was 19 years old, I was filling out some paperwork, and uh, one of the questions on the paperwork was, have you ever contemplated suicide? And I thought, well, what kind of question is that? But you know what? Now that I think about it, they, that actually was, was a good question because they needed to know. Uh, calmly ask simple and direct questions about someone's mental health, their, their mental being. Are you okay? Is there something I can do for you? What's the matter? What's the matter is something that just doesn't get asked enough. If you really care, ask. Um, express support and concern. Don't argue, threaten, or raise your voice. That just, that's not going to work. Don't debate whether suicide is right or wrong because in their mind, they, they've already made that decision up and all you're going to do is exacerbate the problem. If you're nervous, try not to fidget or pace. If you're talking to someone about this, this type of thing, be calm. Show them that you can be a rock for them. And uh, one of the big things on there is be patient. They're going to probably air things and it's in, in your mind. They're going to say things that just don't make sense to you. 
It's okay. Be patient. Listen to them. Listen to their grievances. Sometimes they don't even want you to answer. Sometimes they just want you to listen. And suicide is an epidemic. It's too big. It's too prominent. And it's too important to ignore. We've got to figure out a way to, to help address this problem. I hope we did a little bit today. And we'll talk about it more. Time now, no for news.